John 8, beginning in verse 12, this is God's word. Jesus is at the Feast of Tabernacles, and he has just given that great gospel invitation. Whoever is thirsty, let him come to me and drink, and as the scriptures have said, out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water. And now, beginning in verse 12, we read again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I'm going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Since he says, where I'm going, you cannot come. He said to them, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I've been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true and I declare to the world what I've heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as my Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God endures forever. Well, there are certain things that help us understand scripture better that are not in the Bible. Understanding the historical context of many of the things in scripture that were not included in scripture can be exceedingly helpful. I think especially on a passage a scripture like this, there are many rabbinical writings, the Talmud and Um, in the Mishnah, that talk about the Feast of Tabernacles. That's where Jesus is. He's at the Feast of Tabernacles. And remember, last week we said that the Feast of Tabernacles was that festival where Israel gathered. Every year it was an eight-day festival, and from morning till late in the night, they, they celebrated God leading them through the wilderness, and they had their tents. You know, I love the idea of camping out until I get a rock in my back. And then I just want to be in a hotel somewhere. But, but, but the, the camping out of the Israelites was the greatest time of celebration that they had a full week. 
they, they camped out with their people and they remembered how God so long ago had done such a great thing in bringing them out of Egypt and leading them through the wilderness. And, and there were practices that, that they began to do um, in Jesus' day. They weren't biblical practices. God didn't command them. But one of the things that they did, as we've seen already, is on the last day of the feast, the priest would take water and he would pour it around the basin of the altar to remind the people how God had given them water from the rock in the wilderness. And then Jesus stood up, remember, and he said, essentially, I am the rock. Who's ever thirsty, let him ask of me and drink. And as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And in addition to the tents and the high priest putting the water, um, rabbinical tradition says that every night the Israelites would light candles. And they would light these candles in, a, in an area in the temple where the women would gather. It was the section where the women would gather and, and they would be dancing around and celebrating. A very un-Presbyterian thing, by the way dancing around. They were happy. They liked joy and happiness. And nothing made the people happier than thinking about the redemption that God had given them in the, in the wilderness. And as they were doing that, they would light candles everywhere. And the people would light candles in all the homes. And, and again, God didn't command this, but, but the symbolism was to remind them of how God had led them through the wilderness. Forty years with a pillar of fire lighting the way for them through the darkness of the wilderness. And this is the last day and the final night of that festival. And Jesus now says in verse 12, the second great I am saying, second of seven, he says to them again, I am the light of the world. Imagine that. All of Jerusalem was lit up, and this man who they hated and despised stood up and said, I am the light of the world. Now, Jesus is essentially saying he is the pillar of fire that led Israel through the wilderness. Whoever follows me will have the light of life. Um, a bold, a bold statement. In fact, something only the Lord Jesus could say. No priest could say it. Um, no prophet could say it. No king could say it. Um, many in our day, and we'll talk about this briefly, try to say that they have spiritual light, and they don't. Instead, they propagate lies. Many. Um, and yet here, here, the one who is the light of the world, we've already seen that, is going to make that great declaration. I want us to consider three things as we consider the importance of that verse and everything that follows. I want us to consider this morning what Jesus reveals about himself, and then I want us to consider what Jesus reveals about his followers, and then I want us to consider what Jesus reveals about his enemies or his opponents, what he reveals about himself, what he reveals about his followers, and what he reveals about his opponents. Now, I've noted already that this is one of the seven I am sayings. The last one was found back in chapter 6 when Jesus said, I am the bread from heaven. Now, what you may not know is that in Greek, there is a, there is a Greek construction, and it's found all throughout this chapter. And it is the words, ego, a me. 
Ego eimi, and it simply means I am. And, and it's important because when Jesus says, I am the bread that came down from heaven, when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, when Jesus will go on to say, I am the way, the truth, and the life, when he will say, I am the door, when he says, I am the shepherd, he's not simply drawing analogies about things that we can understand. He is saying that he is Yahweh who revealed himself to Moses in this way, when the people of Israel ask you who sent you, tell them, I am that I am sent you. He, he, is, he is making a statement. He is saying, I am the everlasting covenant Lord. And because I am, these things that I'm revealing about myself should show you the sufficiency I have in myself. So, so here... When he says, I'm the light of the world, he is saying there is no other light. Just as the sun is the only source of light and, and its heat reaches to every part of the world and its light disseminates everywhere. Think about that. The sun is, is the dispenser of light in this world. So Jesus, by the way, is called in Malachi as a prophet. He is called the S-U-N, the son of righteousness. There is no other source of righteousness. There is no other source of spiritual light than Jesus. He is it. Um, because he is light. Now, that theme is spread throughout this book. Uh, John loves to contrast light and darkness. Jesus is going to do that for us here, but he, he's already done it back in chapter 1. Remember, in the beginning of this book, um, John said that John the Baptist was not the light, but was sent to bear witness to the light. And he, Christ, is the light that gives light to everyone coming in the world. Because, and then chapter 3, men love darkness rather than light. And the entirety of this world and every one of our hearts by nature are enshrouded in darkness. Every single person by nature and the world as a system is dark, spiritually dark. And Jesus comes into that world to give light and to give life. Um, I, d I don't know that we meditate on this enough that... My heart, even as a believer, still has much need for the light of Christ to shine into the dark recesses of it. Um, you know, if you go, I know, I preach about social media every day because it's just so complicated and awful. Um, but if you go on social media, everybody's telling you what the most important need is. And almost no one's telling you it's for the light of Christ. We don't need, we don't need political, uh, we don't need a better political system. We don't need, that's not the greatest need we have. You could still have, you could have the best political system on the planet and men and women and boys and girls' hearts are still black and dark and evil and men and women and boys and girls, and we were by nature, are dead in sins and trespasses. Um, this is the greatest need that the world has. 
J.C. Ryle, the Anglican theologian of the 19th century, he says this. Listen to this. This is so insightful. He said, men will never present themselves to Christ to be illuminated until they have known both that this world is darkness and that they themselves are altogether blind. Let us therefore know that when the manner of obtaining this light is pointed out to us in Christ, we are all condemned for blindness, and everything else which we consider to be light is compared to darkness and to a very dark night. So the best that men can produce, the best philosophies, the best religions, the best ideas, the best political theories, the best Anything men can come up with on their own, no matter how much it looks like light, is darkness, and Christ is the light of the world, and the truth about Christ, and the truth about his word, and and what he does on the cross, and what he does in the resurrection, and who he is as the Redeemer is the only light, and it's the greatest need for this world. Um... Ryle goes on to say, reason, philosophy, earnestness, liberalism, conscious, I would, conscious, I would add, conservatism, and the voice of the church are all in their various ways crying loudly that they have the light to show us. Their advocates don't know what they're saying. He says, Christ only is the true light who came into the world to save sinners, who died as our substitute on the cross and sits at God's right hand to be our friend. In his light... The psalmist says, we see light. In his light, we see light. Now, Jesus is making that statement. He's revealing himself because if he didn't reveal himself, we would never be able to come to the knowledge of that light. Notice, notice this. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And now, secondly, he makes a statement about his followers, Notice this, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Okay, my greatest problem is that I, by nature, want to walk in darkness. That's our greatest problem. And our greatest need is for Christ to shine the light of the gospel into our hearts and to dispel it into every recess of our minds and hearts, to our minds, to our wills, to our affections, to our desires, to to our, our, the totality of us, to our, our reasoning capacities. We need the light of Christ. And we need that light every day. And Jesus says, whoever follows me, and that's the same as believe on me, trust in me, commit your ways to me, know that I am who I say I am and that I did what I have, have come to do, and cast yourself on me for that. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, that's the good news, but will have the light of life. And that means that if we believe on the Lord Jesus, if you're trusting in him, then there is a, there is a reality that has happened in your soul that makes you desire to walk in the light rather than darkness. And that any time you do walk in the darkness, any time you do walk in the darkness, that you are grieved that you're not walking in the light. That's the experience of a believer. And we want, 
We want the Lord Jesus to lead us into more paths of righteousness. We want to do all that is pleasing to him. Um, the cry of a redeemed heart is, Lord, give me more light. Um, you know, it's very interesting. I've said this before when the Apostle Paul wants to explain what has happened in the soul of a man or a woman, a boy or a girl who has come to know Christ. He, he goes back to creation. And he says in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness who has shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's, that's how he explains what happened. So, if somebody asks you how you came to know Christ, instead of saying, well, you know, I, I prayed a prayer, 1984, you, you could say, God commanded light to shine in the darkness of my heart to give me the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Because it is a new creation. It is a bursting forth of saving grace into the lives of God's people. This, this one old um, Scottish Presbyterian, Thomas Halliburton, he has this autobiography. It's really amazing. The Memoirs of Thomas Halliburton. And I just want to read to you one section. He's talking about how he was really a religious person, and he read his Bible, and he went to church, but he had not experienced the light of Christ coming into his mind and heart. And then he did. And he says this, he says, Formerly I was only acquainted with the letter of Scripture, which does not profit, but now the Lord's words were spirit and life. In his light I saw light. God opened my eyes to see wondrous things out of his law. There was light in them, a burning light. By them shone into my mind to give me not merely some theoretical knowledge, but the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He goes on to explain more about that light flooding his souls. We, we, we should pray that we would know more of that, that we would experience more of the Lord Jesus shining into our hearts, his glory. Now, here's the amazing thing. Jesus will go on, and the Pharisees will contend with him, and we're not going to look at all of this this morning, but look at some of it. But here's the amazing thing. Jesus says... Here's, here's, how, here's how men and women will finally come to see that I am the light of the world. He said, when I am lifted up, he's talking about the cross, when I'm lifted up, then you will know. Now, here's what's amazing. You've got to listen carefully. In the Old Testament, light and darkness are being fleshed out. And, and remember the last plague on the Egyptians was darkness, so great that they couldn't see anything. The second to the last plague, the ninth plague, great darkness. Um, it, was th it was the worst of the plagues until the death of the firstborn. And then when God entered into covenant with Israel in the book of Deuteronomy, one of the covenant curses that he says, if you don't follow me, that you're going to walk in thick darkness um, the plague on Egypt, the covenant curses on Israel. When Jesus comes, he says that hell, he likens it to outer darkness. 
Um, that's the covenant curse brought to eternal form. And here's the amazing thing. When Jesus hangs on the cross, the sun is darkened because he is taking the plagues and he is taking the covenant curses by becoming a curse for us. How can I have the light of life? How can I see that he is who he is? I see the darkness of the wrath of God fall on him for my sin. That's, that's how the light bursts forth. That's when we really and truly see it. We will not see it until we see him taking the curses, taking the plagues on himself for our sins. In fact, he will say to his opponents, and we'll look at this in a moment, he'll say to them, if you do not believe that I am, if you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sin. He says again, you will die in your sins. He says again, you will die in your sins. Now, what does that mean? That means that the light that we need, so much of it, is the forgiveness of our sins. And that only comes through Christ crucified. So that when I realize I have sinned against an infinitely holy God so many times without number, and that I cannot stand before him on judgment day, that I deserve the wrath and curse of God forever, when I realize that Jesus came to take all that sin on himself and to have the darkness of God's wrath and, and to go through hell for me, then I flee to him and say, Lord, forgive me, have mercy on me, cleanse me with your blood. That's, that's where the light breaks forth into the souls of believers. I'll tell you one personal story just briefly. Um, I was probably about 19 years old. I had been out all night doing drugs and things I shouldn't have been doing. And I had a bad experience. I think I've shared this in a different setting, perhaps. I had a bad experience with someone I was out with in the darkness. And um, I, I said, I got to go home because I, I was raised in a Christian home. I'll be safe there. And so I went home as quick as I could, and I laid in my bed, and I just remember I'm safe. And my dad very thoughtfully, this, that was like four in the morning. My dad very thoughtfully got me up at like seven and, and said, now keep in mind, I should have had a job and been living on my own at this point. So let me just say that. But got me up and sat me down and said, we're going to read the word this morning. And I'll never forget this. He opened uh, the devotional and the first verse was, Jesus said to them, I am the light of the world. Whoever walks in darkness, whoever walks in darkness, I mean, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And I think that was the first time I really knew Christ was pursuing me. I wasn't converted for another five years. Um, but what I experienced when I finally realized I needed my sins forgiven and I cried out to him because I knew he had done what he had done on the cross was the moment he flooded my soul with the light of the gospel. That's where the light breaks forth. And it just keeps working in believers. It's not a one-time experience. We need it more. I need it more. We need more light until, until that day when we're with him and it's all light. Have you ever thought about that in heaven? There's no need for the sun or the moon or the stars, for the Lamb is the light. Think about that. Eternity of Christ enlightening. No sin, no darkness. 
No, no more struggle with the things I hate doing, but I keep doing, and I, no more. It's all light. The Lamb is the light. Um, what a day. You know, somebody said, one of the elders, we were at a retreat, we were talking to a guy who was pontificating on how we need Trump back, and he's the only hope we've got, and David Sr. said, no. This is not our home. And if Donald Trump, he didn't say this, I should have. He's the best thing you got. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. We have a Savior who wants us to be with him. Where he is, this is not our home. This is not it. I love Charleston, South Carolina. I have to remind myself, Nick, don't let your heart get weighed down here. There is a day when we will be with him in glory and he will be the light. He will be the light for all eternity. Please don't email me about Donald Trump either for making that statement. (laughs) That is the most I'll ever talk about politics right there. So just let that be noted. Um, Thirdly, and let me just say this very, very quickly, what Jesus reveals about his opponents. Now, they hate everything he says. Who are you? Who do you say you are? Where did you come from? We don't know who you are. And, and Jesus has already told them, you know me. Now he tells them, you don't know who I am because they are in darkness. They are the exact example of what he said. They are walking in darkness. Now, their darkness is religious darkness and moral. They think they're righteous, but they can't see who he is. They cannot see who Christ is. They are walking in darkness. And he tells them three times, I already mentioned this, He says, unless you believe that I am, I think that's a reference to him saying, I am Yahweh. Unless you believe that I am and that I came to do what I came to do, you will die in your sin. You will die in your sins. You will die in your sins. Um, You know, I was reckoning with this this week. People hate to hear about eternal punishment, and I get it because it's a horrible thought. But this is Jesus who says this. Um, and, and unless we come to terms with the fact of what we deserve by nature, we'll never see our need for him, as Ryle said. But we also have to come to terms with the fact that we need ministers and we need to be able to be people that, yes, with great compassion, say the hard and unpopular things and preach about things like, like hell. Um, That's probably the least preached on thing in America today. And, you know, this is really interesting. William Still, a Scottish pastor, he says this. He says, a minister may be the most charming person in the world, an attractive preacher and teacher, but if he's going to be faithful to the eternal word of God, he's going to have this reaction. Some are going to respond, and others are going to get flaming mad. Some are going to respond in faith. Others are going to get flaming mad. It doesn't matter how nice, charitable, kind, charming, funny. doesn't matter. By nature, every one of us is responding to this right now in one of those two ways. And you see how overwhelming that response is with his opponents. It's just they're, it, they're riling up more and more hatred for the one that's inviting them to have light. Because John told us back in chapter 3, men love darkness rather than light, and they don't want their evil exposed. They don't want it known what they really are and what they love.
and how black their hearts are. Now, Jesus goes on after defending his testimony in the first section here about who he is. He goes on in his interactions with them to explain just how much darkness they are. I think they understand when he says, I'm going away and where I go you cannot come, they understand that he's talking about some voluntary death. But they're in such darkness they can't understand the spiritual nature of Christ's words. And so they say, what, is he going to go kill himself? And what they don't realize is that they are going to be God's agents of his death on the cross, where he, as he's put out in darkness, is going to become the light of the world. Um, it's amazing how, how, how much darkness were they living in. They couldn't understand a single thing that Jesus said to them. They could not understand a single thing that he spoke to them because their minds and their hearts, they only thought on fleshly appearance. They judged Jesus according to appearance. Notice this. They, they judged him. Notice They judged him according to appearance. He said in verse 15, you judge according to the flesh, I judge no one. Now he's not saying I'm not going to exercise judgment on people. He's saying I don't judge people according to the flesh. I make spiritual judgments. But but everything they did was judge according to the flesh. They could not get past the externals, the flesh, for what they saw around them. Let me say this this morning as we come to a close. Um, these are weighty. These are weighty things. If I, could, if I could make them more weighty without being heavy-handed, I would. These are, these are serious truths that we have to take to heart. We have to ask ourselves, have I really come to know who the Lord Jesus is? Do I really know that he, this is God? manifest in the flesh? Do I really know that he is the great I am? Do I, have I really come to know in my soul that he is the light of the world, that, that my heart is darkness by nature, and that he has come to give me light? And we have to ask ourselves the question, am I following him? Um, does my life reflect that I'm following the Lord Jesus, am I different than those around me who are walking in darkness, or am I exactly like them? Um, I'm not asking if you're sinless. Far, you're far, we are very far from it. But are you walking in the light, following the Lord Jesus? And then I would ask you this morning, if when you hear these things, do you have this visceral reaction of getting flaming mad in your soul? Only you and God know that. People, people can have a really good poker face. Um, my mom said to me, my mom's with the Lord Jesus, and she said to me once, it was the most impacting thing she ever said, because I was not a believer at that time. She said, she said, Nick, there are plenty of nice people in hell. We can have a visceral hatred for Christ in our soul and just be the nicest person in the world. Um, it doesn't make us a good person. Be a nice person, by the way. We need more nice people. But it doesn't mean that you have seen the light of the gospel. Now, 
if you have, I'm going to end on a positive note. If you are believing in the Lord Jesus, if you love him, if you're trusting him, if you're looking to what he did at the cross for your sins, and you have had his light flood your soul, and you want more of it, you keep following him. You keep abiding in his word. You keep crying out to him for more light. You let him fill you with the words of light and life. Um, I hope and trust that's where you're at. I, I only know my own heart, and even that's deceitful. And so I want to encourage you this morning. Jesus Christ is the light of the world, and whoever follows him will have the light of life. Let me, let me pray for us this morning. Father in heaven, we do thank you for these words, and we pray, Lord, that you would give us more of the light of Christ. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would shine your light into the deep, dark recesses of our hearts. We pray that you would expose to us our sins so that we might come to you to confess and forsake it. We pray that you would make us to see that there is more gospel light in the preaching of your crucifixion and your resurrection, and you're now sitting at the right hand of God. We do pray that you would give us more of that light, Lord. And so we thank you and praise you for the gospel. We pray that we would be a congregation of men and women following you and walking in the light. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.